Alright, so I'm sitting here for this new episode and we are waiting on Buck and 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 nope he's not here, so <laughs> This is 8-Bit, episode 69, Hand Party Might Be Dirty, on Sunday, March 9th, 2014, and now, 0 out of 10, would not bang. This episode is hosted by Ian Decker, with guest, Austin Conrad. I have this other shaggy fellow here next to me as his replacement. You are my Hi. replacement. Hi! <laughs> you are my replacement buck. Awesome. Just a little past it's so good. Oh, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> well, Congratulations, this is going to be the worst episode of 8 that you've ever seen, and it's totally <laughs> my fault! Well, I mean, it, it'll be made up by the fact that I get to 69 here tonight. Mm, this is episode 69, so I mean, you know, free pass. You're not supposed to mention that it's episode 69. It's called oh, breaking the fourth wall. Oh, so fun. You're breaking my podcast. You knew this was going to happen when you invited me on. I suppose. Entirely your fault. Oh, oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to you, he doesn't try to be evil on purpose. It's just Most days. <laughs> All right. Um, so, everybody, this is my roommate, Austin Conrad. Um, he's my comrade. Austin Conrad. Um, I don't know how to do Russian accent, so, you know. All right, then I will be doing the Russian accent for you. Pretend that was me. Okay. Um... So, uh, this is your first time on the show, yes? See. Si. And so, as such, we have a grueling, grueling, grueling interview that I'm going to uh, put you through. So, be ready to go in balls deep, put your nuts to the grindstone, and prepare your readiness. <laughs> so, here we get going. So, first question. Oh, come on. <laughs> I want to read that. Nope. <laughs> How did you get into video games? Uh, actually, I do remember this. Um... When I was, like, five or something, I, I don't remember too specifically mine, because, you know, I was small. Uh, I was over at my cousin's house, my cousin Ted Kerr. I don't know if he listens to this, but hi, Ted, if you do. Um, you can share it with him. Yeah, Brian on Mike. Uh, nice plug. Uh, and I was over there, and he had a Game Boy. And I, I think that I, this is the first time I remember seeing one of these, and he had a blue version. And I just thought it was the coolest thing ever, and we played that the entire night. And uh, then that year on my birthday, I got a uh, a Game Boy and Blue version from my uh, my grandma for Christmas, or maybe it was my birthday. I really don't remember. Hmm. I know I got it though, and I played the ever living crap out of it. And, and I, I also remember that I was severely disappointed by the fact that Moltres is not nearly as awesome as it ought to be for a legendary. While Zapdos is completely fantastic. Yes. Also, Blasters for life. <laughs> All right. Um. So I guess my only question about that is how do, exactly does one go about doing multiplayer on a blue version? Um, I never really did. I know you could, I think. Um, I know that there was a trade cable. Yes. But I and I remember that people would use it to trade, and I think you could. I think you could battle. I don't remember if you could battle or not, but I think you could. I mean, and there was also like an uh, like an infrared thing that would go between Game Boy colors, yes. and that I've tried. I remember having tried both. And I actually pulled it off once to get a golem. Hmm. Um. But uh, I on I never honestly did much just because it was kind of a pain and not, and the connection was never any good. I mean, it was the first thing time anything like multi console trading thing was ever done. I think so. It was it was really bad. Uh, well, that, that, that's not exactly what I meant. I was meaning how do you get two people playing the same version of blue version? Because you said that you and your cousin Ted 
Oh, um, <laughs> play that. Oh, well, I, I it was somewhere along the lines of me looking over his shoulder, him looking over my shoulder. While I, I think, if I remember right, I think we started a new game without saving it, so he could keep his data because okay. he's two years older than mine. So he actually kind of knew what the whole save data thing was. Ah. Um, and uh, yeah, because I, I, I was. I remember I was actually able to read, because I was able to read it uh, like a year earlier than most of the people I knew, which was good, because that was the only way you can understand a video game. Yes. Um, but uh, I, I think that basically it was, we started a new file, and he showed me around it, and it was just like, there's these things called Pokemon, and they, they're basically dinosaurs that do things, which based on like the first starting Pokemon is, pretty, is close to accurate, and it was, it was kind of fantastic. And I, I think he, he, he said we should do Bulbasaur. And, I, and as I was playing, I was like, this is kind of stupid. It's a plant thing. I want to go for the guy that shoots water. And also, it was the dude who was on the cover of the game itself. Yes. So, so Blastoise for life. All right, second question. Um, this one might be the most difficult one of all time. Actually, in some ways, it, well, I don't know. Ryan, you've heard us do the interview many times. What do you think is the most difficult question, or the question that people have the most difficulty answering? I don't think they have any difficulties answering any question. Well, then people must be a hell of a lot more decisive than I am. I think so. <laughs> all right. Um, so, uh, next question. What is your favorite video game of all time? Favorite video game or video game I've spent the most time on? Favorite. Okay. I think I know the answer yeah. to this one. Probably Elder Scrolls 3 Mark. Morrowind, I thought so. <laughs> not, not certainly, because I love the crap out of the Fire Emblem series, and I've played all sorts. I've beaten every single Fire Emblem game released in America, because they're amazing. Um, additionally, uh, let's see what else is there. Um, actually, yeah, that, that's probably my favorite series of all time, but I would probably say Morrowind is my favorite game, just because it's really interesting, it's really challenging, and oh god, the plot. You... you uh, it's been out long enough, so I assume... Close your ears if you don't want spoilers. Closing. You kill gods. Ah, ha, ha. So many gods. Ah, ha, ha. It's, it's awesome. It's, it, it's just... It's seriously one of the best games I've played. I mean, and it, what's really impressive to me is that it still holds up today as a good game. Yes. I mean, it, it looks awful as compared to modern games, but as a game itself, it holds up pretty well. Well, we know that some of the best games aren't necessarily the most graphically intensive. So that one's an example. Like, the Half-Life games are still regarded as some of the best games of all time. I mean, I mean and the Fire Emblem games are basically 16-bit sprites. Yes. And, I, and there, there, there's a reason they're my favorite series of all time. Things are freaking impossible in some levels. Yes. I mean, there's a level called Cod of Destiny in the first one. Yes, I can quote levels from this game. That's how much I played the damn thing. Um, and it's kind... And it's just... There's like 70 dudes, and they spawn 20 a turn, and you've got 10. And you don't really have a way to beat them, especially when they spawn in your own base. Ew. Yeah. Ew. That just sounds disgusting. Yeah, it took me like, I think it took me like a month to beat it on hard. Hell yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I would have ever beat it. So that's just like, ew. It's a game I spent a couple years and a couple of actual different playthroughs just to beat that level. Uh, and even that time, it, it just took me a really long time to get through that level. That's disgusting. Yeah. That's it's disgusting. It, and then the level following is at night, and your vision's restricted, and you have to go save a prince, who's in the middle of a castle that takes, like, four turns to get to. Oh, great. And you've got to hold the protector for 15 turns while your army doesn't even start next to him. Um, um, um And the boss um, has long-range magic, and she doesn't, and she's not impeded by the fact that you have no vision. Mm, that sucks. Yeah. That level is so hard. So remind me again why these are your favorite games. Because every now and then you get the glorious moments when you one-shot that particular boss I just mentioned. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. 
Also, the plot is completely fantastic. Uh, the, the, the combat is... They're not actually unbeatable. They're just very hard. And you actually have to plan ahead as you play. Or at least you have to... Not necessarily plan ahead, even. You just have to be kind of intelligent in what characters you choose to level. Hmm. I mean, if you, if you level... And if you pour all of your uh, killing into one character, all your other characters don't get any experience. So you really need to work, have your group work as a team. And, yeah. if, and if they don't, it just falls apart. As Riot Games, the makers of League of Legends once said, teamwork OP. <laughs> Alright, next question. And I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this one as well. Actually, no I don't. What is your favorite genre of game? Um, Probably strategy. Uh, if you get into all the crazy genre blendy things, I'd say strategy RPG. Uh, I like things you get to tinker with, uh, and any any or if you're talking about like genre of just type of game and not actually the gameplay type, but just like the setting kind of thing, fantasy absolutely. Mm. Magic awesome. Magic is so awesome. Love to throw fire at things. There's there's a reason in Morrowind that I've gone into the editor, created custom spells that I can cast for free that do like a giant fireball that covers an entire city, and then just, I just watch as everyone chases me because they're all ticked, but no one died. Hilarious. <laughs> also, you have to run really fast. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. Yeah. Um, then... Okay. Uh, next one. Final one. Um, this one is actually sort of two questions. You can choose to answer both or just one if you'd like. What is the game, or what is your least favorite game, or what is the game that you regret buying the most? I'm not entirely sure, because I, I tend to be at least fairly judicious in game buying. Um, I would say the game that I bought that I've been most disappointed in, which is pretty close, actually, is uh, Brutal Legend for the PC. And the game itself is very good. I've seen it played on the Xbox, and I've uh, played it a little bit myself on it, and it's amazing on that. But the PC port is abysmal. I mean, it, they, they, took no, they took no attempt to really port it over and change the controls, and it plays like you're trying to play with a joystick using the WASD controls. And it's just, when you're trying to... The, more, the biggest example is in the vehicles, when you're trying to drive, and it's pretty much impossible to drive a vehicle that's designed to work on an analog, so when you push forward slightly, it, it slowly accelerates you, but if, with the keys, you just mash the W, and you just go into full acceleration. You have There's no finesse in the controls, and there's... And what's worse is that there's some levels where you have to do, like, like the level I got stuck on before I gave up on the game. You're trying to do a zigzag with a drag racer, and you just don't have the control with the way the controls work for the PC mm. to actually perform it because it's, it's in a time limit. So you, and you have to get to a certain place in two minutes, and you just do not have the control to do so given the way that it's been ported over. Have you considered buying a controller specifically for your computer for this? Yeah, I've considered it, and, but uh, then I also remember that I have a friend that has it for the Xbox, so I'm just borrowing it from him. And then, yeah, because I know <laughs> that it's I, just a lot simpler. I've seen it in our living room. So. Yeah, it's, I've got I've got that copy for the Xbox to uh, to play through. It's just the the, the, the so it's not Brutal Legend in general. But the game itself is amazing. I want to make that very clear. I love Brutal Legend. It's really cool, but the PC port is not worth your money. The PC port is. The PC port is just awful and it's unplayable. But the Xbox version is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a completely legitimate answer. Um, and actually, I, I know that I've been meaning to get a uh, controller for this guy, whether it be Xbox or PlayStation, I don't care, just so long as I have a controller that I can use because I have a few games that require it. So, like, um, uh, I think I talked about this a while when I played DMC, Devil May Cry 4 definitely needs a controller. Um, Dark Souls doesn't let you play unless you have a controller. That game, it sounds like you really, really need a controller for, so I'm going to uh, do what I can in order to invest in one soon. So 
judging by what you're telling me, that's really an investment that I do need to make. Yeah. And it's on my to-do list also, but higher on my to-do list is actually just play games that I can play. Like, I mean, I've got recently uh, a old collection of strategy games called Age of Wonders. And actually, there's a new one coming out in a couple months, I think, uh, Age of Wonders 3. I've been playing through the original's campaign mode, and oh, God, it's so good. <laughs> Age of Wonders is such a good game. I highly recommend it. I mean, it looks really, really bad because it was made in, like, the 1990s, I think. Maybe early 2000s. Mm. But, I mean, the gameplay is incredibly good. And it's incredibly challenging, and the sieges are actually kind of realistic. Um, flying units are incredibly broken. <laughs> Love flying units. You just be like, by the way, ha, sucks to be you. I'm in the air, and I'm flying over your city and killing your mage. Stupid copies. Um, all right. So I believe that that is the entirety of our interview. Okay. Sorry, I could not provide more lube. <laughs> um, all right, so now we're going to move on to the main part of the show. Uh, however, before I do that, um, so you had said that you might send this show to your friend, or to your cousin Ted, right? It's so possible. To, it's possible. Uh, well, if here anybody else wants to listen to it, you are welcome to go on to the site. It is... Um, 8-Bit Episode 69 on the site, thenexus.tv slash EB69. Um, and so that's for if any of you guys want to share a link to someone else, or for those of you who don't actually listen to it on the website itself, because we have it on iTunes as well, as something that you can, uh, I believe, get whenever it comes out. So, I don't know how that works. <laughs> I don't use iTunes. That'd be an RSS feed, right, Ryan? That is correct. <laughs> I can do tech things, yay! Totally understand technology. <laughs> I understand just enough technology to uh, mod my copy of Morrowind and then play the mods. Yes. And then find new continents and kill everyone. <laughs> Kidding! You love breaking things, don't you? Alright, so moving on to headlines. Um, <laughs> do you want to go first or do you want me to? Oh, I'll go first. Why not? Alright, so... Oh, that's neat. I actually got an email about this. Um, apparently, Kickstarter recently... Uh, well, and if anyone doesn't know what Kickstarter is, I'm actually a little bit surprised. But also, Kickstarter is a company that basically is designed to try getting indie programs, or not indie programs, or uh, not just programs, but anything really um, off the ground and running by asking for donations and trying to hit a certain point. Kickstarter then takes a 10% cut of that, which is how they, their business model works. And then the person who started uh, the project, I think, yeah, project, I think that's the term they use, um, gets the money and then they start making things. And it's basically asking for donations on a promise of fu uh, potential future uh, rewards. Most of the ones I've seen are generally fairly receptive and they will generally get you get you your stuff. It takes a lot longer than anyone ever anticipates. Usually I've seen reward schemes like for anything I've bought in on that's like a couple months and it usually comes out over a year. But they do generally, it does generally work. Um, the news thing, what they sent out an email about, is that uh, Kickstarter recently um, actually has had a total of $1 billion go up in pledges for projects that have been completed. And uh, they put up some poster or another uh, talking about all the, sort of the history of Kickstarter because it's been up for the last five years. Mm -hmm. so. we, we know Kickstarter quite well. We, I think we have an, at least one Kickstarter article on every single show. Okay. Um, just because we, we, we really like indie stuff and little crowdsourcing stuff. So those are called crowd um, crowdsourcing projects is what Kickstarter does. And we're actually going to be talking about a different crowdsourcing project a little bit later on in the show, one that I don't know how I feel about. You, you guys will figure, well, 
find out about or find out why I feel that way about yeah. that sometime soon. Um, in the meantime, talking about another fantastic Kickstarter thing, the Ooh Yeah. <laughs> the Ouya is setting up to make an appearance on other companies' hardware, keeping the Ouya console as a reference device. They're not console console. Um, it's not clear what form these other devices will take, but the Ouya ecosystem will remain mostly the same. So that means that the important stuff starts on the paragraph, or sorry, no, the important stuff starts on the paragraph. Then Ermin dropped the bomb. Um, so go and check that out. We have it in our show notes. Um, and apparently the first device to get Ouya content is Mad Cat's Android console, Mojo. Alrighty. So, um, additionally, uh, the sequel, I, I'm assuming this is the sequel, uh, yes. to back up Batman Arkham Asylum or whatever the re- most recent Batman Arkham game is. But, uh, Arkham City. Arkham City, okay. I don't What's the most that. recent one? Uh, well, love the movies, but I haven't played the games, unfortunately. Um, Batman Arkham Knight has recently been announced. Uh, it has been is being made by Rocksteady, who are the same creators of, the, of that series, and it is set one year after Arkham City, and it will feature a drivable Batmobile. So, in other words, correct me if I'm wrong here. Does this mean that we are getting finally getting our GTA and Batman crossover? Mm, I don't think you can get to beat up little old ladies for their car, though. <sighs> but maybe I could beat up the Penguin and steal his car. Does he have a car? I don't think so. He just has an umbrella. He's like Mary Poppins. Can I beat him up? with machine but guns. Can I take his umbrella? I don't think so. That's not Batman's thing. He 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 beats up the people that steal, not know. not not the other way. I know. Uh, anyway, so villains we do know who will be in the game are Two Face, Penguin, and Harley Quinn, who apparently will be a pre a playable character, provided you pre-ordered the game. Uh, no multiplayer, and the game is currently slated to come out in October, uh, the fourteenth. Uh, and according to what we've got so far, apparently the title does not actually refer to Batman, but a new hero. So who do you think that might be? Robin? Nightwing? Hmm. Um, I'm not super versed on uh, comic book lore, and so I don't really know for sure, but my hopes, at least, are on Deadpool. Oh. Well, Deadpool has his own game, though. Doesn't mean he can't have another, and another, and another. <laughs> Deadpool for life, bro! But but with how how much the last game bombed from Deadpool. I mean, yes, I would have loved stealth, to play it because I love Deadpool. Deadpool. That's why they're doing a stealth thing. Stealth pool? Stealth pool. Or dead stealth. Batpool. Backpool, backpool, backpool. Um, anyway, I don't know. We'll 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 let you guys know about that <laughs> when we find out more on it. Um, uh, either way, I'm I'm pumped for it, and I might have to get that as a birthday present for Buck. So, shh, Buck, I hope you're not listening to this episode, because <laughs> um, I know you will. Either way, um, so uh, everybody's favorite hero in the video game world, Gavin, did another AMA this week, and here are the most notable things that he talked about. Steam is going to be getting us or. Uh, I'm sorry, I apologize. Steam is going to become a self-publishing system. So, uh, TTFN, ta-ta for now, Greenlight. Um, they are making progress on some lower-cost Steam machines for streaming, so that'll be that'll be handy for you guys who like that whole thing. Um, Counter-Strike Go on Linux is being worked on. Uh, currently, however, we have no ETA. One notable change in Source 2 will be increasing productivity of content creation. Which means that they want it to be easy, as easy as possible for users to create hats. Hats! Ow. Sorry. Um, edit that out. <laughs> or no. He, no, he, I, I, I have no idea if he'll edit it out. He might put it at the beginning or at the end. But he probably hats. won't edit it out. <laughs> All right. So apparently, Valve was almost called by a completely different name. That was almost called Rhino Scar. Kinky? No, no, never mind. I don't know. Uh, so, um, 
I have a question, actually, about what it means by self-publishing. Does that mean that Valve's going to be the only company that can publish games on it, or does it just mean that there's no, they're just removing Greenlight and that other companies can still publish? Um, I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, let me see. Let's let's do a Control F and see about what it says about um, self-publishing. Uh, let's see. As the decision to allow publishers to have their own storefronts and manage their own stock gone forward, or ha- or was that just an idea being kicked out? We realized that a store ought to be UGC, not for the publishers. UGC user-generated content. Do you have any time that or the time that I took to Google it? Um, uh, let's see. Uh, so that means. Uh, that it looks like it's going to be not not specifically Valve stuff on there, but okay, okay. Valve is just going to provide the open thing, and people get to put on there whatever they want. So, but, so wait, so that means that instead of removing green light, it's like they're removing green light, but they're removing that entire. They're they're making it more open instead. That's what it sounds like. Okay, because um, that sounded that's very different than what it sounds like. Just looking at it, we're just looking at it, it. Seems like it's becoming a Valve only system. When I, well, at least that's what I think when I hear self publishing. So and I was just like, I can't imagine they do that. They just I mean, like, every, like, I think at least over half the games I've bought in the last two years have been on C. Yeah, so. And that might just be that it's going to become, um, it, yeah, it just gives you the ability to publish yourself. Okay. Oh, that's cool. Uh, which I'm, mean, I'm very supportive of that. Which means that um, I wouldn't be too surprised if users had to pay a fee in order to be able to do that. Sort of like That'd how they had with Greenlight. Um, you had to pay a fee in order to put games up for the ability to get put up on there. Um you probably not just have to pay a fee in order to be allowed to put them up on there. Um, but then you get that that privilege for however long you want it. Speaking of new games, 2014 Game of the Year coming out on, uh, on April 1st, Goat Simulator. It's going to win. Don't, just don't ask questions on this. You get to play as a goat. That's all that matters. You get to find out what's in the goat tower. You get to find out what's in the goat tower. You You mean... Watching the crazy physics of your neck going this way and that. Just way accept that, that it's already a 2014 game of the year and it's not even out yet. And, and that the goat, you get to fling things with the goat's tongue. Yes. 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 At people, no less. No, this I'm. This game looks stupidly silly and I'm excited for it because I do like these stupidly silly. All right. Jazzpunk. Well, I, I'm not sure how I felt about Jazzpunk. Stylistically silly. Stylistically silly. I guess is what's going on on that one. All right. Um. Well, sort of the opposite of fun games. Um, so, Trademark Vile is a game that aims to make fun of the game industry's rampant trademark problem. So that means we're looking at you, King. Um, in this magical village, every word ever used is immediately trademarked and can never be uttered again. Players can do two things. Given a word, they can come up with a new phrase for it, or given a phrase, another player can come up with they can guess the word it describes. Every time someone guesses correctly, both players get a point. Eventually, we'll probably exhaust the limits of our ability to make up language, but the creators don't care. So it sounds like a really interesting social experiment, telling the Internet to... I, I don't know, the Internet sounds like it might implode on this. I think that's going to be fun. I think I think it's going to be really interesting. I, I've not heard of this before, and... I, that's why it's I, I think I think that... what? That's why it's called news. And I, I have a hunch that uh, that certain sections of the internet are going to use this, and they're going to try to find a way to abuse it, abuse it maliciously by making only the naughty words the ones available. Of course. Well, they won't necessarily make them the ones that are the most available, uh, but I'd be willing to bet that uh, what will happen more is that people will put in wrong phrases and incorrect um, uh, definitions and stuff like that. 
Or the question then is, how does the spelling work with it? Because you could, because if you just, if it makes misspellings work, I mean, this whole thing could just get really strange from the point of view of like grammar and spelling. If like all the sort of the standardized spellings get basically used up, you could start over from like switch switching around words or switching around letters inside of words. Hmm. So and that would basically almost reset the game. I don't know. Well, we will keep an eye on it, and I'll let you know. Neat. All right. Um. We've got some Twitch news then. Next, uh, they're releasing an SDK for mobile so that developers can integrate it into their games for Android and iOS. I'm not sure what that means, but it sounds like what's going on is that Twitch is setting things up so that uh, you can stream things through the program uh, onto the Internet, but for, you can do it now from a mobile device as well as you could have previously done it from uh, a computer. Or I think you can also do it through consoles, but you have to link it through stuff into a computer or something like that. Uh, additionally, um, uh, it says you can also capture information from your device's camera and microphone so that you'll be able to get everything running out of one uh, device. So it'll like everything run out of a um, smartphone or whatnot. Okay. Uh, Ryan, can you translate this for us? Thank you. Yeah, I, I had to unmute there. So here's what's going on with that. The SDK, it's a software development kit. It includes a bunch of tools uh, and a set of APIs that will allow developers to add support to their games. And you kind of mentioned this, but the idea will be so a uh, developer, so imagine uh, an Angry Birds developer, Rovio, they wanted to add a broadcasting button so that you could stream live your game of Angry Birds up to the Twitch website uh, and then additionally share that to other people, of course. And and so that's that's the simple part of it. And there is a little bit more to it, of course. You will not only be able to capture and broadcast it, but you'll also be able to add front-facing camera video and audio from microphones, which isn't complicated. But one of the problems with doing this is that most ordinary phones, so... Uh, non-flagship phones, a lot of those feature, or not feature phones, but smartphones that are like feature phones, a lot of those probably won't be able to support this very well. So the developers will have to work on ways and be very clear on what devices this has to work on. Traditionally, one of the biggest problems with game recording is that the game takes up all of your CPU and GPU, and then there's not enough processor power for the actual recording, encoding, and then compression that needs to go on almost instantaneously to do both things at once. Uh, presumably, Snapdragon 800 processors will be very, very capable of doing this, and it's likely that an A7 from iOS, or, or Apple in that case, or maybe the next generation A8, would also be fast enough to do this in real time while playing a very intensive 3D or 2D game. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll definitely plan on getting one of those uh, this next summer when I actually have money again. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because I lost my last one. (laughs) Or the HTC Thunderbolt. Anyway. Uh, So. We'll we'll talk about it. Um, So, do you guys remember we lost uh, Watch Dogs for a little while? It had no release date. It it, It went away. Well, it's back, and it has a new release date. Go figure. Um, May 27th is the day that you have to look forward to this being out. So, as a relief from finals, go and spy on everybody else. Excuse uh, me. Attractive. Well, I mean, I don't have to worry about attracting anyone here. I already have a girlfriend. Speaking of which, I forgot to tell you a very important part of the show. Uh, one of the mottos of the show is that no guest ever leaves here single. So, 
We will. <laughs> we'll see what we can do for you in the meantime. Uh, if at the very least we can get this up on air, and then maybe see if we can find some ladies to get interested in your sense of humor. We'll see what we can do. I did not sign up for this. Oh yes. No, I didn't. You literally, no, literally, I didn't actually sign anything. <laughs> there was nothing. I was given no paperwork. I was given there, no paperwork. There was a mental contract. I can't sign that physically though. Divided yeah. line. Do not make me go Descartes on you. <laughs> I'm a philosophy major. I'm allowed to make stupid jokes like that. And yes, I recognize they're incredibly dumb, and my hands are in the air. Oh, don't worry. We do hands for things all the time. Okay, good. Hands for hands. That was a hand party for those of you who actually don't have access to video, <laughs> which is, I think, everything going on this. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, a hand party sounds like it might be a little bit dirty, so let's avoid that. <laughs> all right. Um, so I believe you're, you're up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, there will be a mobile game, uh, speaking of mobile devices, uh, based on the Walking Dead TV show, set to release with the premiere of Season 5 of the show, I believe, in the fall. Um, it is being developed by Next Games, which was founded by four employees of Rovio, Supercell, and Disney Interactive. Now, is Next Games the company that made the uh, highly um, regarded Walking Dead uh, video game, or is that oh, Telltale? That's Telltale. Okay. That is that's very much thought. Telltale. Because like, I've not played it, but I've heard great things about it, which is unusual, considering, to my knowledge, it's mostly a QT game. And it's like, and yeah. from what little I've overheard. Oh, yes. It's, it's very much so a quick time events game. Um, uh, that's that's pretty much the entire thing, but the game isn't necessarily focused around intense gameplay okay. or anything like that. It's much more of an interactive story. Yeah. It's like, and it's, I mean, I know, generally I've heard uh, QTE-based stuff, uh, not ridiculed per se, but just very much disregarded. And I, I know The Walking Dead came came up on the radar for me because it was sort of the only game of that style that was actually very highly regarded and almost respected. I have heard several people say that there has been no other game where they have been that emotionally attached to any of the characters. So yes, it is a game worth playing if you like good stories. Hmm. Um, also, on sort of on a related note to that, we didn't necessarily include this in the show notes. Um... But as as is not coming as a big surprise to us, uh, I believe it was this past week, um, 700 employees were laid off um, from Disney Interactive. So I'd be I wouldn't be too surprised if many of those employees went over to Next Games. Um, and Disney wasn't necessarily just uber cruel in releasing them, um, though I'm confused as why they did it. So what they um, uh, they they released all these employees, uh, but they they put in a bunch of money in order to try and help them get back on their feet uh, to get them reemployed in other places and stuff like that. So so they're not giving a complete bleh. Um, that being said, uh, Disney Interactive, it's not an issue of revenue because they actually had an increase of revenue by a significant amount over this past year. So I'm not exactly sure what's going on. Um, but they did say that they were planning on um, releasing a bunch of employees beforehand. So... This this isn't that big of a shock, but still confusing. Plots and schemes. Plots and schemes. Uh, anyway, so so now that we know that Disney is the devil, um, <laughs> uh, there's actually a live action movie based on The Last of Us that is currently in the process of being made. Um, so let's just hope that it doesn't take quite as long as that Uncharted movie is taking. Uh, also, I just hope that it takes long enough that I can actually finish playing The Last of Us before it comes out so that I can play the game, watch the movie, and then cry all over again. Alright. Uh, so, um, we've got some new Dragon Age news. Uh, Dragon? 
Bioware is giving players the opportunity to be a part of their new game, Dragon Age Inquisition, in the form of voice acting. According to the Bioware blog, players will be able to record one of two different scenarios, the scripts for which have been placed on their blog. Each character will have their own side quest and will interact with the Inquisitor. Hurry and get it done, though, as they will only be accepting submissions until March 24th. Um, so I, I'm the one that found this. Um, so as it says, uh, you get to be a voice actor, um, record your stuff, and then send it in. Um, and you can do this either as the form of like video or just a straight audio file. Um, but you send it in, and then they will evaluate. They will pick someone, and then they will fly them to one of their regional areas, their closest regional area, um, for a couple of days in order to actually record it in their studio. Huh. Wow. Um, That's cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm definitely going to be recording this in the studio um, if I can. So I'm I'm going to be making a trip up to the cities to give Ryan or Paul or whatever you want to call him a visit um, and use the recording equipment that they have up there in order to record this. That being said, I also have to practice it. Um, and I know that Buck is planning on doing the exact same thing. So it might be a recording party. Um, get on that, and we will. Co- Excuse me. We will of course let you guys know. Uh, if either of us happen to win it. All right, I think you're up next. Well, do you want to read this one too? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, and additionally, I forgot there was an additionally. Ooh. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, we have a new trailer for the game, uh, and it's and some screenshots as well to demonstrate the world being created. Uh, and I, I am not a Dragon Age connoisseur, although I've been told that I would love the game series. Yes. So I'll let you comment if you have any commentary. Well, I have both Origin, the main DLC for Origin, and uh, Dragon Age 2 on here, so you are, again, welcome to play them on here. I think I actually own a copy of Origin somewhere, I just never got around. It's one of the many games on my list of, why have I not finished that yet or played it yet? Yes, no, you, it is one of my all-time favorite games. Um, and I mean, I'm, I think Bioware is quite easily my favorite game company in that every single thing that they've made that I've played, I've... Um, either loved or, well, come very close to loving. I mean, hey, they made Mass Effect. Yeah, I, I was like, they, they're Mass Effect, right? Are they Bioshock also, or is that someone else? No, that's somebody else. Okay. I, I, I'm very bad at keeping it, uh, keeping studios straight, so. Yeah. Um, but no, Bioware is definitely um, someone who I absolutely love, and although I didn't necessarily enjoy Dragon Age 2, though I have played it, um, though I need to finish it, too, uh... I still think it's an absolutely gorgeous game, and though it had its issues, it's definitely been a fun game so far, and I need to finish that. I just It's been difficult for me to go through it because there were so many things that were lost between Origin and the second one that I, I kind of was disenchanted with number two, but they're taking their, their time with getting the third one out there, and they look like they're going to be doing a good job, and oh god, does it look pretty. <laughs> All right, so... Um, Another game company that we actually recently just talked about, Telltale. Um, they're making a Borderlands game, which I'm pretty sure that we announced a few weeks back. Um, so, and they actually just released some new info on that. Apparently, you'll be playing as both Fiona, who's a con artist, and Reese. I think that's how you pronounce his name. It's spelled R-H-Y-S. Uh, I think it's Rise. Rise? I think it's usually Rise and based on Fire Emblem. All right. Who's a Hyperion employee with... Um, a big uh, metal arm, a synthetic metal arm, uh, which you get to use to hack various things, and Fiona will sweet-talk away through various things in the game. Um, so apparently the game will also be being told in retrospect from the viewpoints of these two, 
So the, the game developers actually likened it to the movie Big Fish, which is one of my all-time favorite movies of all time. Great. Um, it's actually a Tim Burton film. Yeah, I know. Um, I've actually, it's, it's one of the few movies that I've actually seen. <laughs> I, I don't watch a lot of movies. So, yeah, um, I had a friend show that once. It's, it's great. Go ahead uh, and watch it. Um, but So if you've seen the film, then this, uh, then this sentence will make sense to you. And if you haven't, go watch the film. And not only will you enjoy it and will you cry, but you will also understand the sentence. Um, but just everything in the story will be made a little bit more exciting for the sake of storytelling. <laughs> so I'm excited for this game. It's going to be a fun one. Now, the real question, though, is uh, whether or not the game's going to have a villain that's quite as dashing as Handsome Jack. Oh, uh, well, I hope I not, because he, he was butt ugly, <laughs> in my opinion. Uh, zero out of ten would not bang. But Handsome Jack. He has a pony made of gold. Or what, it was made of gold, right? I don't know. I haven't gotten there yet. Uh, he has some reference about early in the game about a pony. I've not played that for him. I don't know. Well, He's a jackass, though. I would never. Anyway, <laughs> continuing. Ah, uh, yes, 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 yes. I'm sorry. I've lost my spot. Um, there we are. I don't know if, uh, this, if uh, I should get this to laugh at or hope it would actually be a good game. 20 years ago, the game that is known as the worst fighting game in history was released. Ooh, this has got to be good. And it was Shaq Fu. Oh, God. <laughs> As in uh, the NBA star Shaquille O'Neal Shaq. Well, he has recently started a crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo in order to try to reboot the series with Shaq Fu, a legend reborn. We've seen crappy reboots, and we've seen wonderful reboots. I actually don't wonder how much this is going to turn out. I think this... I, I am not convinced. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think I think at best it would make a good comedy game. That's that's kind of my two cents. Well, here let's let's uh, I'll read you some of the stuff from the article that I pulled this from. So Big D's, um, Big D's Productions is the one uh, that's taking care of this whole thing. Um, says it's well aware of Shaq Fu's terrible reputation and that this new game will have little to do with it besides the name in Shaq's leading role. It describes the project as a 3D beat-em-up with dynamic, destructible environments, saying Shaq will fight thousands of enemies, learn new skills and moves, and do the other things you'd recognize from the character action game genre. So but Shaq's a basketball player, not a Mortal Kombat member. Shaq is also Shazam and a genie, so... Actually, that would be an interesting twist. If it's actually like a genie fighting game, I can actually see that. Like, it, like I, I could actually see something like, oh god, I think I've developed the new, the next, the best game of 2015. Because of course, best game 2014 has to be Goat Simulator. Um, best game 2014, Aladdin, the fighting video game. You play as Robin Williams, the genie, turning into different stuff and beating the crap out of crazy animated things. Well, you know, they do have um, a YouTube video with trailer for the game. Do we want to watch that? Sure. Why not? All right. Also, I apologize to you who are listening. I don't necessarily know if there's good audio with it. Um, I can guarantee you it'll be nothing as good as the grandmother playing GTA V. But Wait, what? <laughs> I'll show that to you later in the fringe. Yeah, in the fringe after the show. Yeah. All right. So here's, here's the, the trailer, or at least the audio to the trailer for the new Shaq Fu game. That's hopefully be well. I don't know if it's hopefully or not. Anyway, it's, it's possibly <laughs> Which is going apparently to be existing. Yes, existing. Po- I think is the most appropriate word. Possibly, it's like a Schrodinger's game. We don't know whether it's existing or not yet. It has actually no. That, that that's actually a logical fallacy. The Schrodinger's cat hypothesis: the cat's dead. Shush! I don't want your philosophical bullshit right now. That's a, no. It's actually. They call me Superman. I don't wear tights or a cape, but I leap, dodge. And I sure as hell fly. I'm the big daddy. 
the big Aristotle, and I'm big time. Some ancient freaks got delusions of grandeur. Looks like Shaq Daddy's gonna have to whoop some ass. I um, guess my big question is still why, if they want to make a fighting game, why do they need to bring the Shaq Fu uh, notoriety into it? I just, I, I you know, it, it seems almost as though, I mean, a very blatant, uh, not, not, the right word, uh, publicity stunt. Because, I mean, just because of the notoriety, and they're just kind of hoping that it goes, that everyone goes along with it. I mean, part of it might also be a whole better redemption. Because <laughs> I know I'm how... Just, I, I, it said that they knew how shitty the first one was, so... <laughs> I'm just grumpy, and I'll admit this. They, they said... I'm pretty sure I heard the words I'm uh, the big Aristotle or something yes. like that, and I'm just grumpy about that. I'm going to be really grumpy about that. And I'm allowed to be grumpy about that, because I actually, I actually kind of like Aristotle. You're grumpy about everything. Uh, not everything, but a lot of things. I'll give you a lot of things, I won't give you everything. Oh my. Fish bosh. That's not what you said last night. I won't throw a sock at you. You. <laughs> That's kind of the point. Alright. <laughs> so, um, continuing. Uh, oh, so I mentioned the, the prequel to this game earlier in the uh, podcast as a game that I was going to need a controller for. Dark Souls 2 recently came out to consoles. However, it will it has not come out yet for the PC, and the release date has been announced. It is going to be coming out on April 24th, so a little bit, excuse me, a little bit over a month and a half from now. All right. Uh, this is actually kind of interesting for me. Um, League of Legends uh, has tried out their team builder mode on live servers this past week, which unfortunately I missed, because that sounds really interesting. Uh, what Team Builder allows you to do is pick a champ and a role that you want to play, and then Riot would build a team for you based on those things. So, if I'm understanding this correctly, instead of just clicking the solo queue button and getting ran- random with people who would possibly just not cooperate, instead you get to choose what you want to do, and then hopefully, uh, and then not hopefully, but then you will get organized into a team where you actually get to play what you want to play. Yes. Which, um, according to, apparently the mode was met with mostly positive feedback, which doesn't surprise me much. And that, uh, unsurprisingly though, the main complaint was that they didn't like having to choose their champ ahead of time, since most of the time a champion is chosen in the game based on the composition of the team. And there's certain champs that work very well together, and certain champs that need others' support, otherwise they just don't succeed. Mm-hmm. Yep, getting that synergy to work out was definitely the biggest complaint. But, um, as it said, it was there, there's a lot of positive feedback, and that was mostly on the Reddit, um, I think it was an, another AMA? Uh, but it was made specifically by the League of Legends people. Um, I mean, I, I think it's I, I I think it's a legitimate complaint. But at the same time, I think that the uh, just hearing about it, I hadn't had a chance to try this out. But I mean, just I think that it's probably worth it because um, I mean, there's nothing worse than coming across a team where three people want to play the exact same role. That's just it's just uncomfortable. So I mean, that's I think 
really, uh, I, I think that it sounds like this is really kind of promising. Because, hmm. I mean, solo queue can be abysmal sometimes, and that might fix it. Yeah. Or at least help it. Um, I guess the only issue is that it's also been messing with server connectivity as well. Oh, <laughs> in that case, screw it. Because I know that, well, I you mean, can't just stay connected for more than 15 minutes anyway. I mean, a lot of that has <laughs> just been, they're messing with updates and new things, and that, yeah. that usually screws with the server. The game's always mode. kind of unstable anyway. But, but as, a, as a game mode, I, I do really like this, and I appreciate this, because there's there's no more people just insta-locking and causing instant yeah. clash within your team. That, that I, Well, there is, but it's organized insta-locking, and intentful yeah. insta-locking that no one comes into a clash because of. Yes. So, I like it. That's my yes. verdict. I like it. I conclude. Or I concur. I do not conclude. I concur. Aha. Um, all right. So, uh, you know how we talked about there was a, um, let's see, who was doing it? Uh, oh, yes, a Last of Us, live-action Last of Us movie being made. We talked about that a little earlier. There's um, also apparently going to be a live-action Titanfall collaboration coming. Um, so the people who are in on that are Respawn Entertainment, the guys who made Titanfall and Play Fight, which is a Toronto-based visual effects company that has some pretty impressive stuff on their site. So go check that out if you want to see what it's going to be like. Um, apparently one of the sites also has a countdown, which is set for um, March 10th, so by the time you guys are listening to this, it will most likely have already finished with said countdown, um, and that's when a teaser video will be released. So, ooh, ah, that's my favorite. <laughs> um, but anyway, I'm excited for this, because Titanfall, although I have not played it, looks like it is absolutely incredible, and I really want to get it. I've watched some uh, gameplay online, and I've actually seen some in person at a friend's house, and um, one of friends are in this. And yeah, it, it looks really fun. Um, I mean, it's like some of the reviewers I've seen for it, like, they're usually really harsh on stuff, and they've been very supportive. And that's, and I mean, supportive enough, because it's like, they're people who don't like most modern FPSs, and apparently it does not play like a modern FPS, which is, I mean, Call of Duty, Battlefield, same game published for the next five years. Apparently it doesn't play like that, so, I mean, if I have the console required, I'd probably try it out. I mean, it's, it sounds like it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's just I don't have the, whatever it is, 600 bucks, 700 bucks for the console? Or is it dropping price now? Or Titanfall? No, uh, Xbox One. Oh. <laughs> No, I mean, it's, but it's on PC. Yeah. Oh, it, it is. is? Well. Oh, I might have to check that out then. I thought that it was. I thought it was Xbox exclusive. But it's like, I think it's sixty bucks for forty. Right. No, that's tempting then. Mm-hmm. Huh? Did not know that. All right. So, um, speaking of first-person shooters, a uh, peripheral that's been a- around for the last couple of years, mostly in development, uh, that I think looks amazing for first-person shooters, particularly uh, the Oculus Rift is apparently not slated to be completely stupidly expensive and thus dash all of our dreams from disappearing into the Elder Scrolls universe forever. By which I mean my dreams. Because Elder Scrolls is awesome. Because you're everybody? I'm, I'm calling BS on that. According to Descartes, I'm the only person whose existence I can be certain of. Therefore, I am potentially everybody. I said stop, stop using your philosophy BS and because I don't know that you're necessarily existing. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I love these things. All right. Uh, yeah, I'll stop because it'll just confuse people and make people uncomfortable. Um, so apparently, it's they're currently slating it to have a three hundred dollar price tag, and apparently there's going to be something tied to subsidies, similar with a cell phone plan, where uh, you can actually drop it to a reduced cost or even free. So I, I assume that would be sort of the plan, like you sign up for a contract 
and then you get a free phone. Uh, that's, that's what it seems I, like. So that, that seems to be, like, on the downside, though, that seems to be implying that there's some sort of contractor thing tied into the Oculus Rift, then. And I'm just, I'm not sure how, I've not looked into the Oculus Rift much, so I'm not sure how that works. Yeah. You know what, actually, I think would be really worth it, though, or really cool, is if... Um, Living in Skyrim? Well, yes, other than that. Um, but if for those subsidies... I am the Dagger Moron. What I think that would be really, really cool would be... Um, is if maybe with those subscriptions, what those subscriptions are, maybe you just beta test games for free. So you you have to go and rigorously test it as best you can. Um, and maybe you'll be like assigned a few specific games or whatever. Um, but go through and um, and test it and see how everything works. And be willing to help work out bugs with it as well. Intriguing. Unfortunately, I guess I think we're just going to have to wait and see for now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of this is waiting and seeing. This is all. <laughs> these are announcements that have happened that have not necessarily been put into play yet. That's what a lot of the news is. Said. I thought the news was talking about what celebrities have done. Uh, no, that's TMC. That's not news. That's trash. And CNN and MSNBC and Fox. Well, Fox is coming. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> they are so stupid. I love making fun of Fox just because they are so stupid. Be kind. Hell no. <laughs> anyway, continuing. Um, all right, so that's all that we have for articles. So now we're going to move on to our main topic. So we're going to try something a little bit different here. We don't necessarily have um, one specific game that we're focusing on or like an award ceremony or building of a new computer or something like that. Instead, we're going to focus on, um, I guess, a very specific subgenre of games. So uh, both my roommate and I play Magic the Gathering, um, and I know that I've gotten into some other TCGs, and he plays various other TCGs. Yes, I play a couple. Um, I don't play tons, but I, I've definitely I've definitely played uh, several over my life. I don't play a lot currently, but yeah. uh, beyond Magic, Magic's definitely my favorite. It's, but, it's awesome. But something that he akin to his crack. <laughs> Cardboard crack, I believe, is the term that gets bounced around the internet. Yes. So that's what that is, um, but you also mentioned to me that just strategy games and t- trading card games in general are your sort of crack. So I'm here to talk about trading card game-based video games and getting some of your opinions on that, seeing as you um, have probably played more than I anyone else that I know and have sort of explored some mechanics in those games more than anyone else that I know. All right, so, um, uh, well... I just it's sort of like another interview process. So we'll we'll go back and forth and back and forth and we'll see where it goes. Yay. Um, so first things first, um what are your favorites? Um well I mean I know obviously absolutely my favorite trading card based game is uh Magic the Gathering. It's specifically it's, video games. Oh yes, yes, yes. But I can shoehorn that in. There is a magic online that functions on the exact same platform, including pricing, unfortunately, which is why I can't play it a lot, because it costs, it costs the exact same amount that it costs to play Magic. The, 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 sort of, the setup to this is that um, you can redeem... Like, if you complete an entire set, and you have one of each cop- copy of the card in the set, uh, and if you want foils, they have to all be foils. Uh, you can uh, talk to... You can uh, choose to... Pay to print the, the the entire set. They get reduced from your digital collection, and they get mailed to you, so you have the, a copy of the entire set. Hmm. So that's sort of the connection between the digital product and the uh, physical product. And the digital product, like the digital economy in the game, is uh, based on something called tickets, which you can use to enter daily events, or you can use to enter drafts. For example, a, an, an average draft game. Uh, well, you you end up buying three packs. 
and you you actually pay, you spend the same amount of money as you get for packs, and you get the same amount of digital product as, of like as you would for of normal cards. Uh, which it, it's it's an inter- it's an interesting mechanic uh, to like how they run it because it's very much a business, and uh, and but it's. It's a really interesting way for, especially for learning the game, because anything that like your cards would trigger, you'd have the possibility to, to do something, or when you'd be able to choose to play something, is remembered for you by the game. Hmm. Uh, it's, it's so it's just it automatically does those, and um, it's a very it's a I mean I, my play in physical magic with my friends had dramatically improved from just playing that for a little while, just because you get to understand the game a lot more because the computer runs it at a, a very rule specific simulation. Um, so, that's kind of my shoehorn for magic. Magic is a, magic, there's a video game of magic. Additionally, though, there is actual video games for magic, which are outside of this, um, Duels of the Planeswalkers series. I've not played a lot of them, I played a small amount on on a friend's computer once, because, uh, she mentioned that, oh, she had this thing and it was really cool. Uh, so I tried it out, and it is fun. Um, they're usually like 10 or 15 dollars for the game, uh, and, um, it's no digital community. It's no digital community, or I think there is multiplayer, but there's no digital community of uh, various um, of like buying and selling and trading cards. It's all within your own game. And I think there is a multiplayer where you can just take a deck and play against someone, a deck that you've built. Um, and it's it, the rules are the same as Magic: The Gathering, and uh, there are never any cards in the video game which have never been printed in real life. Hmm. So there's no new cards that are only digital. Uh, and th- also to mention for the uh, online format for Magic the Gathering, uh, with the Magic Online uh, client, uh, it, fu- it functions along the same way that uh, whenever a new set is released in Magic. For example, we're currently in the Born of the Gods, uh, which is the second set of the Theros block, which is set in Greek mythology, which is awesome because I have the Kraken, which I know isn't, I know it's not Greek, but it's still cool because uh, Clash of the Titans is a hilariously awesome bad movie. So it's still cool because Clash of the Titans, which I know is in Greek, but I like it anyway. <laughs> Make that clear. <laughs> because I, I otherwise would have very grumpy classics friends. I recognize this. Um, but uh, the whole uh, the whole Theros box is really cool. The mythology for it is so fun because um, it's all tied into all this Greek stuff that I, I and my friends love. But um, the Duels of the Planeswalkers is usually set within uh, one of various worlds that. Um, the uh, Wizards of the Coast has developed. For example, uh, I think that the most recent one is set in the Zendikar world, which is it's just it's one of many worlds. That for uh, each block that gets published by Magic of Magic the Gathering, there's always a new world. Uh, so and then sometimes they go back to old ones, like the block that they just finished, the Ravnica block, or the rather more accurately, the return to Ravnica block was a repeat, uh, or not? A, it was a repeat of the same world, but with a new set of cards. Hmm. So it was, it was, a, it was a very uh, different take on. They basically just took the same world that a lot of fans really loved, and they took into some new changes to it. And it, I, and it was very highly re- uh, received. I think it's the most popular block to date, hmm. um, including the current Theros block. Uh, let's see. Um, so there's Duels of the Planeswalkers, and I've not played tons of those. Uh, I remember as a kid, uh, I played one of the Yu-Gi-Oh video game uh, video games for Game Boy Advance a ton. Uh, Eternal Duelist Soul. I played the crap out of that one. Never managed to unlock Yu-Gi's Grandpa. I don't even know if that was actually an unlock or if it was just a rumor. Um, but the Yu-Gi-Oh games have generally been very good, particularly because unlike the TV show, they actually keep to the rules of the game, <laughs> which is wonderful <laughs> when you're trying to learn how to play the game and everyone you're playing against as an 8- or 10-year-old is using the rules from the TV show, which doesn't make any sense because there aren't any rules. It's just shoehorning. 
So, so <laughs> it's very helpful to have something reliable because the rule book doesn't make any sense because it's poorly written. Yes. Um, let's see. Uh, Hearthstone. Is, and I, I know that's actually something you wanted to talk about because I actually pay attention to Hearthstone. Hearthstone is very good. Um, I have played. A, I haven't played the most recent version of Hearthstone, but I have played a fair amount of uh, of some of the previous ones, and I keep and I've seen footage from uh, the most recent versions because I I, fi- I find it entertaining to watch people play who play a lot more than I do because then they get access to more cards and they can do more of the gimmicky things that are entertaining for me to watch without. So I can basically spend an hour watching a video is my logic instead of spending twenty hours getting the cards to do the thing that I want to see the video do. <laughs> uh, and um, one of the things I like the most about Hearthstone, though, is that there, I mean, there are these things, there are, like, legendary cards, and they're high, they're really, really good most of the time. But the game is set up in such a way that you cannot pay to win. And it's like, you can, because like, you can buy packs with real money. That's that's their money-making system. And you don't have to bet, you don't have to spend a single cent on the game. I have not spent a single cent on the game. The in-game, the in-game method of earning gold is actually fairly viable, um, and uh, and most of the only thing you use the gold for is buying packs or playing in the arena, which you can usually win at least a pack if you play in the arena. But um, playing in the arena costs um, either fifty gold more or about a dollar, a dollar and fifty more than it does just buying a straight pack. Mm-hmm. And but if you do well, you can win. You can win more than a pack. So it depends on how well you do. Um, and that, that's so. It, it's very similar to draft for those people who are familiar with magic. It, it's it's basically a draft. Um, the mechanic for Hearthstone, it, Hearthstone begs comparison to Magic. Just the way it's set up, it really it, it really begs comparison to Magic because your your general system is mana. The other hand, though, in unlike Magic, where you get land cards and you put them down, and that's how you generate your mana. On uh, Hearthstone, you automatically generate one mana crystal per turn. So you always so. That you will always hit like the mana curve of one mana per turn until you hit ten. And the most expensive cards in the game actually, there's actually some cards that cost more t- more than ten mana, but they have uh, decreasing factors. For example, um, I think it's the card Sea Giant. It's uh, it's like a I think it's a twelve mana cost creature, but its cost is decreased by one per creature on the field. So if you're playing a swarm deck and your opponent's playing a swarm deck, you can play you can land the thing down on like. Turn four or five, and it's an, and it has eight uh, eight health and eight damage, and it's just stupid. I mean, it's it's terrifying if someone lands that down that early. Um, so the mana system, and that's a bit different from Magic, and that's where it draws the biggest comparison. Uh, both players have thirty life, which is a little more than the average game of Magic. Um, and one of the other things that's interesting is that you, unless someone has a creature that has the ability to taunt up, you can always attack them directly. You can also choose to attack specific creatures. So um, the creature arena almost ends up, like I said, like an arena, where it's like the creatures can fight and they can also attack the opponent. And one of the things that's really interesting tactically is you don't actually want to rush the opponent usually. Trying to rush the opponent generally causes you to lose. You usually want to clear out the opponent's board while retaining the board yourself. Because that way you, you slowly build the board over time until you reach the point that the, and you just keep pecking away at the opponent. And I mean, I've seen Rush Down, and I've played against Rush Down, and I usually beat it because I don't rush down, and I just clear the board as often as I can. And that's generally the stronger choice. Um, I would say the most interesting new mechanic, though, in the game is that there are nine different heroes, and each hero has a unique power they can use. All powers cost two mana, and I would definitely argue that some powers are stronger than others. Um, and they usually are able to synergize with various cards on your side or on the enemy side, 
Um, for example, one of the strongest plays I've ever seen in the game is uh, turn one uh, Southshire Cleric uh, for the Priest. It's a 1-3 for one mana, which is a very good ratio, because um, something else to mention is that health goes down permanently. It doesn't reg- um, in Magic, uh, a creature's only destroyed if its uh, toughness is reduced all the way to zero or below at the end of... Uh, and, and it just and it, re- it regenerates at the end of each turn, so to speak. Um, not regenerates in the term of the actual rule, but just it, it goes back up to max. Um, whereas in Hearthstone, once a creature takes damage, it's taken damage. So even the biggest creature can get pecked down by a whole lot of little stuff. It's just it's going to take a while. Um, although that creature also gets to take out each of those bigger, each of those little creatures. So it, it's an interesting mechanic. Um, and uh, as a 1-3 for 1 mana, pretty much nothing in the game can kill it. There's really not a way to kill a 1-3 on, on, if, if, pers- if that priest is on the play and you're on the draw, uh, well, no, you both, have, you both draw, but if that priest is on the play, there's pretty much no way to kill that 1-3 when you only have one mana available. Um, I'm assuming you mean yeah. first turn for the play and the draw. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's like, if it's the first turn, there's pretty much no way to kill a 1-3. And what its ability is, is that anytime anything gets healed, uh, you, uh, you draw a card. So what you do generally with the priest, then, is use that 1-3 to take out anything that the other person plays that has, uh, that has one toughness. Because that's not terribly uncommon, and it'll do that just to play that and damage it. And then you use your hero power for two mana to heal it and gain an extra card. Oh. And then you just start putting things down on the following turns, because it's still unlikely that your 1-3 is actually dead. Because the only stuff that has three toughness as creatures generally is on two mana, and they can't attack the first turn you play them. So generally, you can't take out that uh, that um, Southshire Cleric for a couple turns, at the very least. And they can usually get up like a taunt wall or something so that you can't get rid of it. And then the priest can heal their same damn thing until and just they just draw through like half their deck and just they always have the cards they need to play. And it's just ridiculous. Um, another one that's generally considered very very powerful is the Mage, who it's her ability is deal one damage to a thing. Anything on the board. It doesn't really matter what. You can just do one damage to a thing. Uh, for two man. And I mean, it's, the, the ratio isn't that good, but you can do that once per turn, every turn for the cost. And I mean, it's like, it's just, you always have damage. Or the hunter, it, uh, the hunter's is similar. It does two damage, but only to the, uh, only to the opponent. So you can't target the creatures. So it's not as good as the mages, because the mage can basically clear out any creatures in the first couple turns for free, without playing any cards. So you just get, you get, the whole game is sort of based around card advantage and board advantage. And it's it, it's not impossible to rush down, but you ha- it's very hard to rush down. Um, let's see other mechanical stuff in there. That's all sorts of interesting and entertaining. Uh, well, how about you? Yeah, that's that's most of the big ones in the game. So looking at uh, so I'm glad you talked about Hearthstone a lot, but I wasn't thinking about coming to that for a little while. <laughs> um, so actually, just sort of back to um, uh, the original ones where it's just sort of, in general, trading card game-based video games. Um, though, admittedly, Hearthstone does sound really interesting, so I might have to see if I can play it at some point Yeah, in time. it's free, so. And I think it's actually open beta now. I know it was closed beta when I started, and I got into the closed. Uh, but um, I think it's in open beta now. So I might have to try some Hearthstone. Um, in the meantime, though, uh, have you come across any trading card game-based video games that are really bad? Or, like, what's your least favorite? I've... I'm actually not sure I've come across any that are like completely awful. I've um I, I have recently played a game. Uh, it, I think it's yeah it's an indie game. I picked it up for like two bucks on Steam called Card City Knights, and um 
it's it's really interesting because the whole style is kind of like it's been hand drawn in like Photoshop or something. Um, the mechanics of the game are interesting. Uh, every turn you play down a card, and you're trying to get, and every card has a combination of symbols on it. One or one or two symbols usually. Some have three, but not many. Um, and you try, and they have different connecting points. Uh, and so when you play that, play down the card, you try to get the cards to connect uh, and make up a combo of three or more symbols. And if you get that combo, uh, you either get to gain life back uh, in terms of defense. You start with seven defense. Uh, you can deal damage to an enemy, or you can deal damage to an enemy creature. And if you any amount of damage you deal to a creature disables it. And if that creature is disabled, uh, it it stays in play, and there's only nine squares in play. So your options to defeat an enemy are either force them to card out, and they take damage every turn until they lose, uh, in, in increasing increments based on how many turns they've gone without having any cards. Um, you can force them. Uh, you just reduce all of their defense. Uh, that's often seen as the easiest way, and it's the most often way I've seen AI try to do it. Or you can do my favorite method, you can fill their board. Because if, the, if you can't play a card, you lose. And so um, often the easiest way to do it is just disable a card somewhere on their board because it, um, it takes up slots that uh, they can't play cards there anymore and the connection there for that card to work. And it's just, it's really nasty because if you have a card, if, like, if it's in your center of your, of your, of your nine square, there, that reduces a lot of your combo potential. Um, the downside in the, er, the game that I found a little bit frustrating is that the AI cheats. <laughs> uh, and it, admittedly, it only cheats like in the last match, and it acknowledges that it does so for amusement's sake. The last match it, this is set up, you beat the person you think is the boss of the game, and then there's sort of a surprise boss that it, um, I'm honestly not even sure if you're supposed to be able to beat. Uh, Basically, the way the rules of the game work is that there's these eight legendary cards, or like epic legendary cards, you're going after, and uh, and you only can have one of any of the legendaries in your deck. Once you once you get all eight, very much like the really old uh, Pokemon trading card game for uh, Game Boy Color. Uh, no, it sounds like where you're trying to collect all the legendaries. Once you get all those legendaries, you only can have one of them in your deck. You go and you play against the Card King. Uh, and if you beat him, he's not... He's, is, is his name Maximilian Pegasus? It's just the Card King, so he might be. Mm. It doesn't say his name, it just says the Card King, so he could be he could be Pegasus. Mm. Uh, I think he even has an eye patch, so... You know. mm. Um, but, so... Yogi, my dear boy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, when you get, so when you get to the Card King, uh, if you beat him, then there's a, his, like, assistant says, oh, well, yeah, I just beat you in a game, okay? And because, I, I mean, my deck is an illegal deck, but the rules technically say that any deck that the Card King accepts to play against is a legal deck. So you have to play against this assistant who has eight legendaries in her deck. So she has one of each legendary, and she has multiples of rares. Normally you only can have one rare in a deck. Hmm. So it explicitly cheats. And I, I've i tried several times, and I have no idea how the hell to beat her. That's just disgusting. Yeah, so it's like, I mean, that's sort of like my only complaint to it. Um, and I'd say I'd say that, that game's probably the... Uh, Worst. Give this a caveat, though. I'd say it's the worst TCG I've played. That's a video game, but that hardly means it's a bad game. And I, I mean, I, I've, I've played a fair number, but I've not played tons and tons. And I'm sure there's there definitely bad ones out there. Um, but it's like this is probably and it's and it's probably the worst just because of like art style and stuff. I mean, the game mechanic is really interesting, and I really like I really liked the game. I, I'm saying it's what I'm saying is that it's the worst of a collection of really good games. Mm. And so it's it's not this, it's not that it's a bad game, and I do highly recommend it. Especially, I mean, it, it takes like ten hours to beat, which is one of the other very small number of remarks like I have against it. 
I mean, even the uh, lower quality art style. It's like it's it's very um, appealing. It's designed to look this way. It's not. It's done. It's done this very corny style by intent. Um, so it's like it's it's trying to be this kind of game, and it's and it does succeed at that. Um, and I'd say like the only major complaints I have is that the, I'm pretty sure the final boss is actually unbeatable. Uh, I swear that thing's incredibly annoying, <laughs> uh, and that um, the game is very short. But on the other hand, it costs like two bucks. So I mean, it's like if you're if, if anyone's lo- listening to this is looking for a TCG to play and just fill around with it, that's a really interesting mechanic. But not necessarily expect to fully clear the entire game. I'd say that's a good one to go for. Sounds good. Because that boss is just stupid. That was very cool. Well, I might have to go and pick up some of those. Um, one more, I guess, quick question before we move on. Um, what is there any uh, thing that you wish that you could find in a TCG game? Is there something that you wish that they would do? Something I've I've actually been sort of thinking through in my head of something I might try making. It'd be it'd be for a tabletop thing. Um, and I there's a game I've not played but I've heard of. I think I think there's a um, TCG variant of the Might and Magic series. Uh, I think it's like Might and Magic Heroes or Might and Magic Champions or something. I know I know it's, I know there's a, I know I know that it's a free to play on Steam, and I've been meaning to try it out, and I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Um, and it looks like it might do something similar, if I remember correctly. It's basically I want I, what I want to see is someone combine like a tabletop game like uh, HeroScape or Warhammer or um, even D and D or something like that, and uh, I, I want to see them combine that. Maybe it wasn't Night Magic. I don't remember. Uh, Ian is currently looking it up for those of you who can't watch his screen. My Magic um, Duel of Champions. Yes, that's it. Uh, yeah. Okay. So it's a straight card game thing. Yeah. But looking at it, um, but what I want to see is something that's like it has like the idea I have in my head is you build your deck and the different cards have different point values or something, and then you use your deck and you use it to like build put things on the field. Uh, actually, a great example of this uh was the Yu-Gi-Oh spinoff Dungeon Dice Monsters, and I actually have that at home still, and it's incredibly fun. I mean, it's it's a brilliant game. And I think the only reason it didn't catch on is that a booster cost like twenty bucks, and you got one dude. Right. I really think that's the only reason it didn't catch on because it was an amazing game. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was so varied and so interesting, and uh, it's just you couldn't get more stuff for it. Mm-hmm. And there was uh, a, um, there was a Game Boy Advance game for it that I had. Really? <laughs> I can give you the, um, the emulator. And then we can go and see if we can find a good round for it. Mm-hmm. Or, or I mean, it's like it's something like that. Where it's like it combines tabletop get battle and uh, like a trading card game, where like you draw cards and you have, you have resource management. I think something like that would be very good. And um, I think that the guys who run Penny Arcade are currently working on a game called Thornwatch. But I think it's closer to something like Dungeons and Dragons, where uh, it's like you just control a, partic- a particular uh, player. And um, it runs through different uh, abilities and stuff based on the deck that you draw and uh, the cards you have. And so, like, any abilities you have sort of shuffle into the deck. I think that, I think that that's how it's based. Hmm. Um, I've not, they haven't released it yet, and I don't have any... I haven't seen a lot of the beta information. Because I, I think that most of the beta testing they're intending to do is at their PAX Expos, and those are on the East Coast. So mm-hmm. that, we're in the Midwest. That's not happening. <laughs> yeah. Probably not happening. Um, well, so... I mean- your family's moving back a little bit. True. Uh, so that's just sort of my uh, what, what, one th- one thing I I think would be really cool to see because I, I could see a game like that being a lot of fun to play 
and it actually might be most viable as a video game because uh, you can do the upside to video games as TCGs is that you can do very different sorts of formats when it comes to product distribution, and it's really an economic advantage. Um, and then the, one of the problems though could is uh, it, how do you tie money, money, money into the game? Like Magic's done a very interesting thing, and I I think it's interesting, but I'm not ever I'm not always sure that I want to do it because I mean unless you actually trade and get the full a full set, you can't redeem any of your, of your digital product into physical product. Uh, Duels of the Planeswalkers just sort of gets around it, um, and most traditional TCG games do get a, just don't have a correlation between money and product. You just get packs and get more stuff for winning matches, yeah. and that and that works very well. Um, and Hearthstone's Hearthstone is interesting because you get gold rewards. You can spend you can choose to spend real money on uh, packs, but you don't have to. You can also choose just to uh, play matches and win gold through that, and then use that to get packs. Um, and one of the and uh, there's no trading system in the game, so which is in some ways I find interesting, uh, because of the um, the fact that you do spend money and stuff, and I I can see very much see like certain cards you worth a bunch, uh, so um, the question for a game like I sort of think would be really really fun to play is what would the distribution model look like? Like I, I could see it look working very simple very simply distribution wise. In uh, although it, uh, in a like a tabletop game, but the but prices would be un- uncomfortable. But I could see it working more simply in as a video game. But the distribution model would, would kind of be really weird. Yeah, you know, you'd have to. It'd be hard to figure out an appropriate distribution model without having to be a pay to win. Hmm. Sounds interesting. All right. Well, I guess it's time for me to talk for a while. <laughs> yeah, I know I sort of rambled. <laughs> It's okay, it happens. I, 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 was like, I, th- I think that's my job on here, so... At least a little bit. <laughs> um, all right, now it's my turn to, to sit and talk, uh, hopefully not quite ramble too, too much. Um, and doing a complete and total opposite 180 is I will be reviewing Warhammer 40,000 Space Marine. Um, so Warhammer 40,000 Space Marine is a video game based on the Warhammer 40,000 series, which is sort of like what Austin was talking about, um, a tabletop tabletop battle series, so sort of like with the Dungeon Dice Monsters, with the Yu-Gi-Oh! spin-off thing. Um, uh, if you took that and sort of combined it with, I don't know, let's say um, StarCraft, uh, you'd have a game similar to this game. Um, Warhammer 40,000 Space Marine follows a specific kind of unit in that game, which are called Space Marines. Um, or uh, Ultra Space Marines is what you're, you play as, so Ultra Smurf is what uh, their, their nickname are in the in the actual game is, um, and so it is. It was made by THQ, and THQ doing what THQ does best made it essentially just a big old hack and slash game. Um, so you get lots of the guns, and you get different guns, and you get to you can only choose. Um, you only get to carry four at a time, um, and two of those remain constant. You have to have your pistol, and you have to have your regular old machine gun, um, but you also pick. Uh, pick up different kinds of guns that you get to replace should you like. So you you get like something that lets you launch um, grenades and then pop them at any time that you want, or um, sniper rifles, some of which uh, don't really cut through armor and some of which absolutely pierce armor like no other. Um, and then various melee weapons. So you start out with a big machete essentially, then you get a chainsaw sword. Followed by a power axe, pow- followed, followed by a thunder hammer, which is my favorite. Um, though you also can't necessarily use anything other than your pistol and your machine gun uh, when you're using the power hammer. That being said, 
Um, your upgraded pistol is kind of OP, and, and I absolutely love it. And it has unlimited ammo, so it's just fun. Um, I think it's actually called a melted gun. If that, not, 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 to, not to despair, just to, if I remember correctly, I don't play 40k, I play fantasy, so I don't know 40k too much, but I think, I think that the best pistols are melted guns because they melt people's faces off. Well, those aren't the Am pistols. You, 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 you are you aren't. Um, <laughs> it's not your pistol. You get the plasma pistol um, with, as your upgraded pistol, uh, and so it does more damage uh, with each shot, but you can also get a charge shot that, that essentially becomes a sticky grenade. That's um, the only way I've ever been able to win at Halo 3. Um, uh, what the melted gun is, is, is it's essentially a shotgun that shoots out a burst okay. of fire that melts through armor like nothing else. Like I said, don't really play what you can. Just kind of no sense. Um, so, let's see. As far as gameplay goes, um, I don't know. It, it's it's mostly centered around the combat. Um, there's, there is some story. It is following a story, and it's the story is progressing at a decent rate, but the main focus of the game is very much so on the combat. Um, and it's just gratuitous amounts of combat and gratuitous amounts of gore and blood. Um, uh, so it's nothing necessarily too too um, uh, too too incredible. Though I do see a lot of um, similarities between it and the original Darksiders. Um, so in many ways, it plays very much like the original Darksiders, except for there's less utility. Uh, in, as I said, in sports or in Space Hammer. Not Space Hammer, Warhammer 40,000 Space Marine. Um, it's combat, hack and slash, um, and so you're just going through and fighting things, whereas in like Darksiders, you actually have to go through different dungeons, sort of like Legend of Zelda sort of thing. Um, uh, is Darksiders the game where you play as war? Yes, Darksiders. Okay. Darksiders, okay. my favorite way... Sure the right game. Yes. My favorite way to describe Darksiders is you take the badassery of God of War and the hack and slash aspect of God of War, mix it with the legend or mix it with the dungeon crawling style of Legend of Zelda, and throw in a little bit of bastardized uh, Christian mythology into there, and you have probably one of my favorite games ever made. Um, you said that three times this show. Favorite game ever made. <laughs> I know I have lots of favorites. It's like what my little brother says whenever a song from the '80s comes on. He's like, "That's the best song ever." Um, well, just the fact that it's from the 80s shows that your brother has a terrible face. <laughs> Moving on. Um, <laughs> uh, but so, um, as far as gameplay goes, it's not very varied, so it does get a little stale. Um, again, the, the weapons do vary in how you use them. Um, my Actually, my favorite thing to do, there are levels where you get something called a jump pack, which is a jet pack that lets you jump up and then you slam down into the ground with a shockwave and deal immense amounts of damage to everyone near you. So you basically become a giant hopping bomb smurf. Um, if that makes any sense. You hop up, you fall down, and everything around you explodes and dies. You hop up, you fall down, and everything around you explodes and dies. And the process repeats. Uh, no, I'm just, I'm just amused by the fact that you're referring to the Ultra Meets Hail the Emperor as Smurfs. It's well, just, it's very amusing for me. One of, one of my I, friends. I don't think you're wrong. <laughs> well, one of my friends that um, plays Ultramarine or that plays Warhammer 40k um, said that are called Ultramarines Ultra Smurfs, specifically because they are ultra blue people, yeah, little blue people that are just kind of combat crazy. So, gameplay there's not that much to it though. It is it is it is pretty fun um, dodging around this way and that way and kind of seeing things blow up around you. Um, story wise, as I said, there is some story. Um, its plot twists are fairly 
fairly easy to see, um, and for the most part, it's a, it's a very linear story, which is sometimes good, uh, done in the right way, and this is done in mostly the right way. Um, uh, but again, the plot twists just weren't, it wasn't that much of a twist. Um, uh, and again, final boss, so it's it's sort of the whole, you are the Jesus, you are the Jeebus figure of gameplay, where, excuse me, you are the one person that is able to save everyone else. What is the name of the character? Um, Commander Titus. Okay, and I I know some characters from the actual mythology. I was wondering. I was trying to figure out if the game is set in the established forty k mythology for it's adding to it. So we can look it up later. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it is set in. It. I don't recognize the name. And most okay. of the major special characters I think just heard the names. Yes. Um. So I guess all in all, um, and the game came out a couple years or a few years ago. So the graph though the graphics for it are still actually fairly really very good, and I do enjoy the art style quite a bit. So. For for non-game stuff, um, I I I did enjoy it and I did appreciate it. For in-game stuff, um, although I did enjoy it, I think there's definitely been better stuff. So given the game's age and everything there, I'd say currently I'd maybe pay about twenty bucks for it. Um, nothing more. Let's see what it's priced at right now on Steam because that's where I have it. So Warhammer forty thousand. Um, where is Space Marine? Space Marine. Come in, Space Marine. Do you copy? It's at 30... Um, you just press Space Marine, that's all. Yeah, it's good. Uh, yeah, it's, it's currently at $30. So it's it, it's a little bit more expensive than I would say is worth paying for it, but it's been greatly enjoyable so far. So I'd say once it gets down to that, buy it, but don't go out of your way to necessarily get it. Any questions from you? Um, not particularly. Okay. Uh, murder? Murder? We want all the murder. All right, well, here's the knife. <laughs> all right, um, so... Uh, okay. I'm on, fine, guys. Don't call the police. On the special announcements and new releases, uh, South Park, The Stick of Truth, came out on March 4th, so it came out earlier. Introducing fart magic. It That's was... A thing. It, it, yeah, it's... I was told by a friend that I need to pick it up. It's gotten some absolutely fantastic reviews. It looks stupidly funny, and I, I really do want to play it at some point in time. Um, let's see. Year Walk on PC. Looks like it's going to be coming out soon. Um, and then Titanfall is going to be coming out officially in a couple of days on March 11th, but it's not going to be coming out in South Africa due to poor network performance during the beta. So sorry about that, South Africa. Um, I guess you just have to go up to Europe to play it. <coughs> something like that. All right, so for next week... Um, Ian Buck is going to be playing and or not playing, reviewing The Walking Dead episode two, and then I'm going to be playing the game that you guys decided for me to play. Now I put a, something up on the poll, or I put the poll up on Facebook again, just a couple or one more time, and I know that there were a couple more people who said go and vote on it. Um, so I'm going to go over to that now and announce the winner. So there have been 11 responses. Let's see, view responses. Um, uh, all right. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Summary of responses. That'll work a little bit better. <laughs> all right. So we have uh, the final standing is Deus Ex Human Revolution with three votes, Fallout 3 with three votes, Fallout New Vegas with one vote, Fear with one vote, and Surgeon Simulator 2013 with two votes. So it's down between Deus Ex Human Revolution and Fallout 3. Um, well, I know where my vote is. 
You're on Deus Ex. Oh yeah, that sounds. I, I've I've heard wonderful things about that. And looking over your shoulder every now and then while I'm writing the copious amounts of papers that I'm required to write would be entertaining. <laughs> okay, so we are going to do this in the most strategic way possible, going over to a dice roller. <laughs> All right, Fallout Three will be a one through twenty, and um, uh. And um, Deus Ex will be an 11 through... Sorry. Fallout 3 will be a 1 <laughs> through... I was kind of wondering how this is working out. 1 through 10. And Deus Ex will be an 11 through 20. All right. So, you ready? Sure. 3, 2, 1, roll. What? My mouth jumped. <laughs> okay. Trying that again. 3, 2, 1, roll. It's an 8. So that's Deus Ex. So that's Fallout 3. All right. So Fallout 3 it is. I won't necessarily <laughs> say that I will have... Um, the entirety of the game finished before next week, and if I did, I would say that I had no life, and what the hell am I doing here in college? Um, because that is a very big game, and will take a lot of time to complete. But, it shall be done. Um, so I will have... A, I will have a review for you either next week or the following week, and thank you all very much for voting. I liked this a lot, and I think I'll be doing that some more with more of my games to playlist. Was, uh, was Space Marine the last voted one? Or? Uh, no, Space Marine was one that I originally had on there, and I was like, I started this a while back. I really feel like playing it. Let's go and try it. Okay. <laughs> so I played Space Marine. I was just wondering if you'd done the vote before, if this is the first. No. All right. No. Curiosity. This is, this is the very first. So, all right. Thank you all for listening. I am your usual host, Ian Decker. And I, 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 I am the person sort of sitting in the chair awkwardly looking over his shoulder. I'm Austin. He also usually yells kind of on occasion sporadically whenever yeah. we're recording. If, if, you, if you guys ever have ever in prior episodes or future episodes of that matter heard random noises, that's me. He is the random noise generator. Because you can't kick me out of the room. I live here. That's true. All right. <laughs> See you all next week. Bye-bye now. Everything is going my way. Oh my god, this is episode 69. Yes. Oh, man, Ian Buck is missing the best thing ever. Uh I know. I'm the luckiest motherfucker. It's all mine. I get to 69 here tonight. And since you absolutely love trading card games, (laughs) stuff. I haven't even laughed. Yes, you do. No, he's, he's meeting his girlfriend's parents. Right now, is this is this is a first or this is a first? Yes. Oh, oh, I believe anyway. Best of luck to him then. Yes. (laughs) I take a look at my enormous penis. (laughs) All right, and with that, Jewel Fringe, I love you. Have a wonderful (laughs) night.